0: y'all welcome back to kentucky fried Gaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance i'm joe and i'm john and today we're coming back for another episode of the podcast um as we've kind of addressed in the last few episodes we are out of our beginners uh, sort of learning guide and we're getting into broader topics uh Last episode, we mentioned something that kind of uh, grabbed John and I's attention uh, that we think is worth diving into right now, given the state that some of the games are in. Uh, specifically, what to do if your army might not be as mechanically powerful as some others. And I, with the state of 40k, I think this
1: is one that folks might be struggling with right now, John. Yeah, and I think this is also just a topic that's useful to have under your belt for any time in the game. Like sure it's more prevalent right now with like the addition change and new codexes coming out kind of infrequently because of COVID. But this is something that as long as I've been playing miniature games for like ten, twelve, thirteen years, uh it's always been a talking point around the water cooler. And so I think that having a long discussion about how to handle this in a constructive way <laughs> is a, is a good way to, to kind of breach these topics so that they're not just kind of like pressure points.
0: Yeah, agreed. And I mean, if getting a little conversation around it can also increase the understanding and uh, sort of acceptance of it and accommodate it a little bit more when it needs to be, I'm all for recording an episode on it
1: yeah um, i think that if we can make content that has you know helps people have a better time having fun with the game that that's our whole objective
0: oh yeah then it's totally worth doing um if i think that's kind of been our goal from the beginning of this is to help increase everybody's fun with this game that we like so much um and this is one way that we could probably do that but first we have, as we mentioned in the last episode, we're adding in a new segment here, thanks to Shane. Um, somebody reached out to us on Instagram with some thoughts about the podcast and asked for a section on hobby progress and games played. So we're going to throw this in before our main topic every episode, just so you guys could kind of stay up to date with what we're doing. Um, so
1: John, what have you done hobby-wise in the past week? So, I took a break from the Skaven because I painted a bunch of clan rats and cannons and <laughs> decided to to now look at furry little rat deeds for a week.
0: Yeah, eventually started-
1: it's too much. Oh, yeah, yeah, especially when I'm going to be painting like another hundred of them.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. Trust me. I feel that. I'll I'll talk about it more when I get to my progress.
1: Yeah. So I started working on Tao, um, which are completely different because it's much more about having like clean lines and it's try to not make mistakes, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. A whole lot of pen washing, a whole bunch of edge highlights. That's tau all the way through. So what specifically did you paint of your towel? I know you were working on some crisis suits. Did you finish those up?
1: Yeah, I finished up crisis suits actually last night. And I'm almost done with the cold star commander I was working on last night. I kind of got a bug. So working on more. Uh, I also got more. I got another start collecting towel box. I got reinforcements from the lady for Valentine's Day. So Ooh, got, talk yeah. about romance. Yeah. She knows the way to my heart, and it's called plastic. (laughs) 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 And so I'm going to have more crisis suits to paint. I need to magnetize everything still, because uh, it's Tau. You have to magnetize all the suits.
0: Yeah, although what kind of annoys me is they don't give you enough guns to, like, magnetize all the loadout options. Man, I know... (laughs) I want
1: so many, like specifically airburst fragmentation launchers. There's none in the crisis suit kit, but they are a weird war geared option. So, but they come in the commander kit. (laughs) What? What? Yeah. Why? So I'll have to like source some bits at some point to do. Uh, I will
0: just 3d print you some. I will. Yeah. Yeah. I know. (laughs) I will 3d print you bits. I wish I didn't have to,
1: but, like, if that's what it takes, then so be it. Well, I, I have a feeling that uh, GW is slowly going to start phasing out a lot of the super customization when it comes to a lot of these things. Uh, I mean, they did it for of Sigmar. Yeah. Which I don't necessarily disagree with. I think it makes it easier for people to get and like models onto the table and play and don't feel punished because they didn't put like, spam the same weapon option on every dude constantly. Well, and especially
0: when they don't even put enough in the box to, to like, make a full loadout of whatever you want. Like... Yeah. That, like, that's definitely a friction point for new players, I could tell you from personal experience.
1: Yeah. So and anything
0: I, they could do to kind
1: of turn away from that, I think is think's a good thing. Yeah, because, invariably, there is, like, a air quotes, best loadout for a unit, and, like someone's going to want that. And if you tell them they have to buy five of the same kit for little bits, they're going to go, no, thank you. I'll go to a third party. Like
0: as they've been doing for a long while now, because it's cheaper to buy like a
1: $2
0: bit than to buy another $60 box for that bit.
1: My favorite thing to do with bits is, like, I'll keep... I have a little box full of bits, and, like, we've done it. We'll, we'll trade bits, or, like, whenever I go to games, I'll bring, like, the bit box with me. I'll be like, hey, man, you want to trade some bits? Hey. <laughs> do you want to yeah. act like we're, you know, we're trading Pokemon cards, like, when we were back in grade school? Like, yeah, <laughs> and I those. think
0: it's also a fun thing to do for, like, narrative games is, like, battle trophies. If your force is, like, for that, I'm huge fan of that, too. You know, you could use it as, like trophies that they hang on their belts or maybe for like embedding in the terrain at their feet kind of like uh detritus that has been scattered across a battlefield um i think that's a super cool thing absolutely yeah for me um i similarly finished painting a giant block um i think last time we talked about how i was working on uh some goblins and i actually got those 40 goblins finished which Ooh, it was a uh, it was a time. Um, I'm not much for painting big hordes, so this was something I kind of had to put my nose to the grindstone and force myself to do. And it feels good to have them done. I even got them based and stuff. Put pictures up on Instagram. Um, but now I'm working on uh, magnetizing all of their bases because I use uh, magnet trays for people out there. I you know kind of made some redneck. Uh, carrying boxes with uh some tin roofing material and um, cookie sheets yeah you know just cheap ways to carry these dudes around um but while i love that transportation method it does mean i have to go and put magnets on the bottom of every single one of these little goblins so that's something i'm in the process of so while they are painted and based they aren't magnetic yet so i'm working on it um also, uh it's not necessarily directly hobby progress, but um I started looking into a new game that John had been kind of like mentioning for years. And you know how it is, like it's the covid time, you end up on weird places on the internet and um uh, I someone mentioned the game Infinity. I was like, "Oh, I should I should give that a Google." And then I fell down a rabbit hole. A terrible terrible cyber pug rabbit hole that i had a great time with so um i spent some time this week learning a little bit about that game it is very dense but it looks cool so i might have to spend some more time
1: kind of digging into that here in the next week or two yeah and uh i'm looking forward to you know digging into it with you as well and uh more, a couple of other of our buddies are interested as well, so probably a bunch of us playing this sometime in the future. And if you guys want to hear about games that aren't Warhammer related, uh, we're more than likely more, you know, more than happy to tell you about them and talk about them if that's what you want to hear. Just let us know if you're interested. Because there's a yeah, whole I mean, lot of them we want to get into. <laughs> yeah, there are a number of them that we're
0: interested in, um, and we are Kentucky Fried War Gaming rather than Kentucky Fried Warhammer. So you know, there's room there to to poke around and explore this hobby um it is a great great place to play games and i think it would be a shame to not be open to talking about other systems so if y'all are interested in that let us know we'll happily dive into it um i guess that moves us to games played and as we mentioned in last episode we are in the covid era so there isn't a whole lot of actual war gaming going on for john and i um but in lieu of that i've figure i can at least talk to you about like the gaming that we've been doing um for me uh this week i had a star wars tabletop game uh that i played online which was super fun um my lady is running a game for me and a couple of friends and they're all playing a bunch of fancy schmancy highfalutin jedi and i am just a clone just (laughs) just a clone and um it's it's a time. It's definitely a time. It is really great because I often end up kind of being like the leader of our tabletop games, like as of the PC group unintentionally. Um, and it is really great this time for me to get to look at everybody else and ask like, General, what do you want me to do? Um, and force people into the driver's seat.
1: And it's it's been a blast. Very cathartic. Yeah. Yeah. On my hand, I have not been playing tabletop whatsoever, but I have got the total Warhammer bug again because of the new trailer. Oh, yeah. It's... Yep, got me too. So, I've been playing that. Uh, I've been playing Vampire Coast and uh, a friend of ours, Tanner, I've been playing a, like, co-op campaign with him. We'll probably hop into doing more of that this week, too. Uh
0: it's funny you've been playing Vampire Coast. I started a Vampire Counts campaign
1: literally this week. Yeah, I like Vampire Counts, but I like Vampire Coast more because of the pirate aesthetic. Also, because the they have crazy sea creatures, like undead sea creatures. Huge fan.
0: They do. I, don't, I get. I'm bad at managing all of their like really shallow firing arcs. So at some point, I just want to like click all of my flying bat gorillas and tell them to go at the enemy archers like that's that's really where I'm at listen
1: um, I will beg and plea for money the second the GW releases vampires if GW releases a vampire coast for Age of Sigmar I will beg people to, to to buy me kits like I will get a second job <laughs> to collect that army <laughs>
0: John's OnlyFans will open up the same day that announcement is made <laughs> uh uh, it's actually gonna be a dick pics around in order to get your
1: plastic vampire sea shanty boys no it's actually gonna be called only hams in which i just continuously cook ham like every day i release a new (laughs) video of me cooking a ham uh look man i i'm not gonna shame anybody's
0: hustle so you do what you gotta do to get your minis i'm here for you um Yeah, I think I was just kind of inspired to play Vampire Counts because of the new vampire faction that is coming within the next few months, the Soulblight Gravelords. Yeah, I'm very Um, excited to see those. Oh, yeah. Like, I have always loved a Castlevania aesthetic, or uh, Warhammer Weekly had the best term for it, like a Halloween Superstore aesthetic, Um, where, like, any spooky creature is lumped into one army to just have it, and that, that, I love that. Give me that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we used to run a LARP town that had that aesthetic, and, you know, both of us collectively lost our minds, and we saw the new Resident Evil trailer with Nine-Foot-Tall Vampire Lady, so... Ooh,
0: yeah, I got some feelings. I got... Some... They're gonna have to try really hard to make me run away. That's...
1: <laughs> oh, no, I'm scared. Oh, no. Oh, no, she's
0: gonna get me. <laughs> ah. no. Silly.
1: Oh, stop it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a little confused by the trailer. Like, I... I'm. I. Is, if the tone implies I should be upset about this. I... <laughs> hey, baby. What up? Okay. All right. Fine. fine. I'll go with the plot, but I just don't get it.
1: Oh, this is your house. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you want me to leave? Yeah, sure. But like, hey, what up? Oh God, Dave Chalk. Oh shit. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, like, I
0: know she's only, like, the first boss of that game. I really can't wait until they reveal the giant dicked werewolf for boss (laughs) 2. Like, (laughs) That, look, Capcom (laughs) has gotta go ham. If that's Uh, not the second boss, I will be shocked. Oh, man. You heard it here first. I can't wait to bask in my rightness.
1: Ugh. yeah that is
0: our lovely games played section um if y'all are kind of into that um kind of let us know Uh, i know it's not necessarily war gaming related but we kind of talked about it and it feels like it's better to at least chat about the games we are playing rather than just every week go yeah i'm not really war gaming at all and who knows how long that would sadly have to be our answer i mean yeah obviously we're both from here in the states um, and there's really no set end of this in sight, so who knows when we'll actually have wargaming updates for you. So just let us know if you're kind of into this more casual, general gaming breakdown of what we've been up to. And we'll, at least
1: these things we could keep up with. Yeah, and we can update you. More than likely, uh, our games play will probably be with each other here in the somewhat future because we can kind of socially distance and make that work with just our individual households, but, like, that will not bring a lot of
0: variety. (laughs) No, it will be John and I playing the same tiny handful of armies against each other over and over. But it's better than no wargaming, I guess. Yeah. At least I would argue.
1: Yeah, anything, Um, any water in the desert at this point.
0: (laughs) Right? I don't need a giant oasis. Just give me a tiny can of monster energy drink. I'll take it. It's fine. It'll do. Don't judge me. Um, although some of those armies will probably be weird matchups because our army sort of strength is not the same across the board. Um, both of us have a tendency to play armies that might be a little lower on the power scale. Yeah. Um. And that kind of could influence games, which is actually kind of why we wanted to talk about this topic so much because John and I play armies that are a little, I guess the community would call them bottom
1: tier. Is that the term that we're going to go with John? Yeah. I think bottom tier is probably the, the term most people are used to um, from like online talk and watching videos or tier lists, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And of course there are, there's more than one of these. So there are probably a lot of people out there who have armies that might not be necessarily pulling the same amount of weight as the stuff that's like top tournament winning sort of forces. So we thought it was important to kind of talk about what to do if you are in a boat where your army isn't that strong. Um, And I think before we could get into that, as we always do, we need to establish a baseline and kind of build a foundation of what we mean by a lower tier army. Because that that's a subjective term. That's not exactly a a set in stone taxonomical category that we could put every force into.
1: Um, and it changes like every couple of months as new stuff comes out. Like things rise and yeah. fall.
0: Nothing kind of like walks in as top tier and stays that way for all of perpetuity. I mean, because of the nature of this game and the book releases, stuff's going to fall in and out. And that's just how you have to compensate. Yeah. So, generally for lower tier armies, what people mean by that when they're speaking about it in online forums, is that the play ceiling for that army is low just mechanically speaking that some books oftentimes because they're older are sort of handicapped behind other like top tier books they are playing at a disadvantage even if you have someone who is very very skilled and very experienced piloting that book using all the strongest combos in there it just can't punch up into the higher weight classes to try
1: to take games. Now, There's even situations where, like, books were really good, but the nature of the game changes. Um, like, edition changes, or maybe a handful of, like, new books come out that kind of invalidate some of the strengths of that book. Uh, I'll use Tao as an example. Like, Tao went from being a very good faction to when Ninth edition came out. Went pretty much to the bottom because of the way the game shifted towards playing for the center of the table more so than an eighth. And so their tactic of kind of sitting back, laying back in the cut and shooting doesn't work super well <laughs> when you need yeah, to I be mean, on the, the objective game changed two. To be much more uh, terrain heavy and it blocked a lot of their
0: line of sight uh, on top of the changes to fly and uh, some of the other armies becoming more powerful, you know. They they went to the bottom overnight. Yeah. And that's going to happen. Because this game is iterative. And, you know, all war games like this are iterative. Where they change over time. They evolve. Both the specific army, like, books themselves in, individually. And also the game mechanics as a whole are going to change from edition to edition. So you have to understand that this idea that everything is going to all be exactly the same power level unbalanced is kind of an illusion for the way we release books here like that's that is not going to happen because every army doesn't get their books
1: all at once that's just not something that is feasible and with the nature of just games in general, like, imbalance is just part of the equation. Uh, if you even think about, like, military conflicts in real life, not to get all, like, historical or actually here, but, like, most fights are not even. Most fights are uneven. Um, most games are uneven. There's always someone who has more of an advantage, and it's about, like, finding the challenge of manipulating that
0: in a way yeah and also like we are on i've heard it referred to as like a treadmill when it comes to books um they're released in staggered intervals and they're designed as we go along which means that you know uh, so a new edition dropped for 40k we got ninth edition and two codexes dropped with the release necrons and space marines and everything else was rough Mm -hmm. and now we're moving along we got uh space wolves and blood angels they got their new codexes and now they're stomping everything else and now we have dark angels and uh death guard they got new books it's the newest books they're starting to stomp everything that doesn't have books
1: yeah, That's, But all the ones who have books seem to be playing on a more even battlefield with the other ones that have books. But the ones yeah, exactly. who don't aren't doing the greatest. Yep. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised
0: that a book that came out a week ago is better than a book that is four or five years old. Yeah. Um, I, I think, think most everybody would kind of expect that. It sucks. I hate it, personally. It's one of the things I dislike the most about Games Workshop's release structure is that it is a haves and have-nots system and the because of the slow speed that they release these things. But even if I don't like it, it doesn't mean it's not true. Um, it is something that we, as a community, just have to
1: learn to compensate for and expect. And I think this problem will keep getting easier to deal with as we continue on with the hobby as it becomes more and more modernized and they kind of get their footing. Um because GW as a company doesn't seem to really have a, a modern take on mm-hmm. business to a degree. Um uh, because like I've been playing this games for like 10, 12, 13 years. I remember when it was like you could, you would use the same book for two editions or three editions. I remember using the fifth edition Necron book when I played Necrons all the way up until seventh edition at the end of seventh edition when they got a new book. Like, <laughs> good God, that's awful. Um, that eventually changed, and I, I've noticed that they've continually kept ramping that up faster and faster, which does come with the issue of, like, your rules change more frequently, but I think that eventually they'll have to just get to a point where they're updating things in an app like they have with their new app. They just have to make that app functional.
0: Uh, That would be great, because it would shorten the length of time that we would have to be on the treadmill. Uh, you know, yeah. right now, they're we're only releasing two books a month like that's that's just where we're at two books a month and how many factions are there in 40k john like way
1: more than there was 10 years ago 20 something (laughs) (laughs) way more than there was 10 years ago so Uh, we're gonna
0: be on this treadmill for a long time like yeah it is going to be a while before every single faction has their books and that means that during that whole time, we are going to continue to have a system where people who don't have these new books are going to have a rough time of things. And uh, for everybody out there, I, I hope you aren't on the longer end of that spectrum, but somebody's going to have to be. Um, which is why I think it is so vitally important to talk about this. And even in like Age of Sigmar, I think this problem... Is less uh, prevalent because they're on like a longer sort of marathon sprint treadmill where they aren't necessarily releasing a ton of new like they aren't necessarily nuking things down to zero when they release a new edition. So at least everybody's keeping their older codexes and the newer codexes that are coming out aren't as aren't on another level
1: of playing field, at least not often. And I think with Age of Sigmar, it's a little bit different, too, because unlike in 40k, uh, Age of Sigmar is a much newer game. It's a younger game that they keep releasing new factions for. And in 40k, that's not the case. So a lot of these people who play 40k have been playing with the same old models for decades or for years. And so they, they have these collections. And sometimes the only time they get to be excited about the faction they play is once or twice a year, if they're lucky, where new stuff comes out. Because we're not seeing new factions. They don't want to play any of the other factions or else they already would. Um Yeah. And so without new factions, and when you see like two straight years of Primaris releases, a lot of people are just kind of um waiting for some excitement. But I think we're kind of at a turning point in 40k with that, because most of the Primaris stuff should be out.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've got to be close, right? Like... I, I feel like they just keep pumping out. We've
1: got to get to the end of that eventually. I mean, oh. Primaris Imperial Guard, you heard it here. Like we'll see Fall 2021 Primaris Chimera. Like it's good. it's coming.
0: <laughs> I kind of hope you're right. That sounds sick. <laughs> that gibby. sounds wild. Give me give me. Um, but yeah, I just long story short, I think this is a problem that's going to continue to happen. So Um, let's kind of talk about what, what does this do to you as a player? If you have an army that is unfortunately at the bottom end of that scale, you know, in terms of where your play ceiling is, if you were just stuck on uh, the bottom end
1: what is this going to do to you practically in your games week to week? Well, I think the the first thing it does is it kind of it forces you to have to take a more critical look at your book. Um, if you're playing something like Space Marines, for instance, there's so many good units in those books that you can kind of just make any unit you want work, mm-hmm. and it's it's yeah. kind of built to be the the easier book. It's it's built for newer players to be able to have very clear combos to build like this Voltron together for a, a cool list. But on the other hand, if you play something like I Play Tao, you kind of have to really comb through with the book, read some stuff on Reddit and on like online, listen to some people talk about it, to really delve into, okay, what makes this army function? What are some of the things that makes it work? What are some of the most efficient units? Um, because when you're playing a bottom-of-the-barrel faction, even to play casual games, sometimes you're going to need to bring some teeth, uh, yeah. gonna, especially if you're playing against the higher-tier factions, especially like... We'll use the new Death Guard as an example. New Death Guard have some really great rules, really flavorful rules, really fun rules. They're going to be great for the game. But to play against them as Tau, I really need to figure out, well, how am I going to deal with two Wound Plague Marines? Those are really tough. How do I, how do I deal with those? What in, what can I possibly do to deal with these things? Which means you're going to be list building kind of against your opponent, but you're doing it from a perspective of I'm playing a lower tier. Like faction. So reading through my book multiple times, fully understanding the faction is probably going to be your first step in tackling this challenge of playing a bottom tier army.
0: Yeah. um, I have felt that myself where obviously I love the Sylvaneth, but they are not competitively dominant. I I will put it that way. Um, They kind of struggle in a lot of areas that many armies are just excel again. And that means if I'm going to bring them to a table with somebody who's playing one of the stronger factions, maybe Lumineth or Seraphon or Zeech, I've whereas they could probably kind of throw together whatever sounds fun, if I want to give them a good back and forth game, I've really got to dig deep. Um, it's It's one of those things that you don't want to have to do that but if your opponent kind of wants to have a close game and not roll over you, you might have to. And that could lead to a little bit of anxiety every time you try to build a list.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it gets easier, like it gets easier as you keep doing it. Uh, I've found personally to I enjoy it. That's one of the reasons I like playing bottom tier factions or lower middle tier factions. I've been playing the game for a long time. I don't want to play an easy fight all the time i kind of want it to be struggling i actually like losing more than winning i think uh, in these games which is a very odd way to look at it um uh, but i play bad guys most of the time my Tao aren't really bad guys but like i play chaos so whenever my buddy who plays space marines beats me in chaos i kind of go haha the bad guys lost and the good guys won uh, Woo!
0: victory yeah yeah um, um it's a thing it's a thing I also think that I've found that sometimes if you are playing a lower tier army, you'll end up bringing uh, skew lists that might not be necessarily lore friendly, just to try to compensate and hang in there if you're in a semi-competitive environment. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, a lot of, almost every book has these sort of very specific layouts of how this army functions in the world. And what kind of leaders they bring to the battlefield and what the forces look like. Or maybe how rare some of your units are. Well, let me tell you, if you're trying to like hang in there with some of the big dogs, your list is not going to look how that book said it does. <laughs> like, yeah, so, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you're going to end up with some like weird, goofy thing that if you think about it for more than two seconds is going to give you an aneurysm. And that's... Uh, Again, it's a symptom of you having to try
1: harder to get up to your opponent's baseline. No, I guess what we're really trying to get at here is that you, it will be more difficult to play games with lower tier factions. Uh, There's no way around that. Even if you talk to your opponent, no matter what you do, and we'll get into some things that you can do about it uh, later on in the episode, but it's going to be more difficult and that's something you should kind of learn at the beginning. And, uh, so you're not super blindsided by, what do you think, Joe? Like, would you agree?
0: Yeah. I think a lot of this comes in with a bit of agency, you know? Um, I think people want to feel like they, they know what they're getting into when they get a force, you know? Um, so if you know, going in that maybe your force isn't particularly strong in terms of competitive build, that it's okay. Because you know it's going to be that way, and you're compensating. And as long as you are armed with that knowledge, and you get the choice of making that decision, rather than having it kind of surprisingly thrust upon you, um, I don't think that's necessarily a huge problem. Yeah, I don't think so either. And even these books that are oftentimes kind of uh, lower tiered, They have one or two units in there that are really good that carry them onwards. So if you really do need to kind of punch upwards, you could find that one or two units in your book that are good from everything else and just try to lean on those. Like, I think
1: that's the thing that happens. And it will invariably make you a better player. Like Even if you only play casually and narratively, you're still going to want to be good at the game um, so that you can kind of have that casual fun, have that that thing. You don't have to become win at all costs, but you still need to be good at the game. Um, and you will get better at the game the more challenges you're faced when playing the game. If oh, yeah. If you're I, only ever playing the good that's faction. That's true. Yeah. If you're only ever playing the good faction and you don't play at competitive tournaments you're not going to really get good at the game. Whereas if you play a middle tier faction or a lower tier faction and you play against some of the better armies sometimes, you're going to be forced to think outside the box about how to win these games.
0: Yeah, I will say, uh, nothing taught me how to play the objective game better than trying to play Sylvaneth into like big killy armies. Like that, That's a crash course in the fundamentals of strategy and wargaming. Because if you try to just go toe-to-toe, you, you're probably going to have a bad time. <laughs> you're going to get ripped asunder, and they're going to turn all your trees into kindling. Um, but in playing Sylvaneth, I had to start thinking differently. I had to start thinking about how to win rather than how to necessarily crush. And how to use movement efficiently to be cagey. And how to screen uh, like my important units again. To be cagey and to make these things push harder than I might have otherwise necessarily learned to do if I had played a faction where all of that finesse wasn't necessary.
1: Yeah, you were playing for the board, not for the game.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think those lessons are valuable because now if when I am handling a more powerful army... Now I have that army, like, the raw power of the Force and all of the experience that I got from how to do this more technically. Um, and I think that's worth having for a person. I think it it's kind of good for
1: you. It builds character, as many people <laughs> would say. Uh, it- so... And it does teach you how to play some of the more complicated armies because uh, a kind of thorough line between both Age of Sigmar and 40k when it comes to galaxy brain armies, as we call them. Is uh, they're objective based. They're finesse based. They are not, I do mm-hmm. big shoot <laughs> or I take a lot of damage. They are built around movement and redeployment and st- like w- big brain concepts of like outplaying somebody, which you only kind of learn when you have to play on the back foot.
0: Yeah. Um, I feel like if you had the option to just kind of like run up and punch someone in the face and win, or try super, 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 super hard to maybe bait them into a weird position and then flank them from behind and just barely technically sketch out a win, most people are going to choose the former rather than the latter. Um, so being forced to choose the latter is sometimes a good catalyst for
1: growth. Yeah, I find it more rewarding, honestly.
0: I don't know. I really like to get in there and smash stuff because I'm I'm a simple boy. But
1: I think it probably is more rewarding, technically speaking. Like, if I'm of the opinion that if I'm, like, my mood is to get in there and smash stuff, I don't care if I win or lose. I just want to see models come off the table. So, like, (laughs) if I run 60 ogres up the table at somebody and, like, I lose 40 ogres, but they lost, like, 100 goblins, I'm going to feel super great about it, win or lose. (laughs) Sweet, sweet moral victory. Which
0: I think actually gets us to the final section of this, and I think the most important section, is what can we do about it? You know, if you are someone who is playing a lower tiered faction what can you do about it to keep having fun and to kind of get the most out of that lower tiered faction and i think that's a good one i think that's kind of my number one piece of advice is instead of playing for these like dominant victories play for moral victories or tactical victories and focus more on having fun rather than you know the tech the black and white mechanical
1: win because, yeah, let, let's be honest, if you're sitting down to play a game with a lower tier faction, you know it's a lower tier faction, you should set your objective to have fun, not the objective to win. Uh, because if your only objective is to win, you should just chase the meta. That that's what you're trying yeah. to get from the game.
0: I think you're setting yourself up for failure there. Um, but if instead you are playing to have a good time and to maybe just get, like, smaller things accomplished... You could do that with a smaller army. You might be able to do that more easily with a smaller army if it's your, like, flavor. If that is your, like, your perfect Goldilocks faction. Uh, Good or bad, you are still going to be able to have fun with that faction. And if you're in a more casual environment, like John and I are, that's totally fine to play for fun rather
1: than the win. That might be all you, you really care to go for anyway. And in the spirit of, you know, playing for the fun and not the win, uh, if you're playing a lower tier faction, you might want to genuinely think about playing something like Crusade for 40k or narrative games in general. Um, mm-hmm. When Chaos Space Marines were in a really rough place uh, and a friend of mine got his 8th edition Space Marines Codex, it was super good. It was arguably busted. Not even arguably, it was busted. Um <laughs> Yeah we played narrative games where we set different parameters. You know, I brought way more cultists, but they could respawn. you know, to signify an unending horde of like mortals, ch- you know, trying to fight these super dudes. And his whole objective was to just survive for five turns. So he had a bunch of cover. We built this really cool terrain table and we just had like dudes coming back and regenerating and this unending horde of like heretics that he had to kill. Uh, and that, made the game very, very fun. Uh, there was pretty much no way I won that game, but I still had a lot of fun because the narrative of the, of, of the experience was I'm trying to break through this line and he's trying to hold. So every time I kill the unit, it was like this cool moral victory of that's, that's another piece of the wall chipped away and you can do something similar with your local friend group, with your, your, your friends. It doesn't have to be the same matched play battles all the time. You can sit down and be like, Hey, my army kind of sucks. Like my army doesn't do the greatest. Your army's really good. Um, can we create this cool narrative where like, maybe you're outnumbered and you know, maybe on a roll of a dice, I have some stuff come back or, or maybe we do this cool different objectives where you have to like do this three staged fight or whatever like creating new scenarios to kind of tip the balance of the scales to the side of the player who's going to have a harder time just by nature of the army they're playing can really benefit to having a better game. Yeah.
0: And I think also that kind of leads into another point that uh, I think is oftentimes overlooked in this discussion. (laughs) Um, I feel like every time someone talks about an army being like low tier they assume like, oh, there's nothing we could do about it because I'm just going to play the best armies forever. And everyone's going to crush me. But I don't know about all of you guys, but I play with buds or like at a friendly local gaming store where everybody's super chill. If I'm playing an army that is just like really, really weak and I know they're playing a good army, I might ask them like, hey, man, you know, I really don't have a whole lot of punch to bring to the table against your some of your stuff. Um, do you mind maybe, like, toning it down a little bit so at least we're kind of in the same uh, playing field? And I've never had a pro- had anybody have a problem with that. Um, if, if you're not at a tournament and money's not on the line and you're just playing with your friends, you can manufacture a more even playing field. Mm-hmm. Your buddy doesn't have to bring the best of the best every single time you sit down to play a game. You can make, make it to where you have a more competitive chance. You know, it might be an uphill battle, but if they're not bringing the most hammer and anvil units that they have, you probably have a chance. And that's something. I think even that alone could take you a whole long way in terms of keeping the fun of the army alive, even if you aren't necessarily dominating.
1: Yeah, I think that's incredibly important for not just when you have a lower tier faction, but overall for the the health of the game. Uh, I can, it, from my own personal experience, playing a competitive game over and over and over again isn't great feeling after a couple of months. Uh, you're going to want to just kind of mix it up and play some weird fun stuff. And so learning to do it sooner rather than later, if your bud's not having the greatest time because he's playing like a lower tier faction, but it's something he really likes aesthetically, it's probably the best time to be getting to doing that.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Um, Also, I think there is a final option that is not necessarily the, the most desired option. Nor is it one that I hope people have to use, but it's one that I'm in the process of doing. Um, if you play an army and you just are not having fun with it at the moment, you know, maybe, the, maybe for you the army's not mechanically strong enough to be interesting, or maybe the book's not narratively interesting enough to really wet your whistle, which is my current issue, um, it's okay to just wait it out. As we mentioned at the beginning of this, this is a cyclical game. And whatever army that you have issues with in terms of the current book, it will eventually get a new book. I don't know how long it'll be. It might not be too bad of a wait, or it might be a little while. But if you are just absolutely not having any fun with this army, you can just put them on the shelf and play another force while you wait for a new book to come out and address a lot of your concerns
1: yeah like it's i've had to do it joe you're taught you've talked about doing it before i'm also currently doing it uh but i'm waiting for something that might not happen i'm waiting for Eaters codex that might not actually ever exist i hope it does i I do too i would love it um and like i was talking about earlier vampires, like something that's very unlikely to happen but i would love it um but until then i've got other factions to play um i recognize not everybody is Like me and Joe, in which we, if given the financial ability and storage capability, would own probably, like, 12 armies each. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I would own a shameful amount. Listen, if we start making better reports, we could. Just
0: saying. John, don't you get my hopes up. (laughs) Don't you do this to me.
1: (laughs) Um, But... I think it's it's kind of healthy to have, like, one or two armies. Like, having one army that maybe it's your, your passion army that you really love aesthetically and you always want to collect regardless. And then maybe pick another army that you know is always going to be, like, reasonably okay. Like, in 40k, people love to have, like, a main faction that they always like. For some people, it's Tyranids. For some people, it's Eldar. And then they'll pick up a marine force on the side. Because marines always are at least playable. hey yo. And you can make marines whatever you want you can you can color them whatever colors you want because there's so many different chapters there's so many different flavors that you can just you can make it work uh, it's very common some people just choose to play marines and cut out having two armies because you can always have marines function in some regard yeah um, I don't think there's a parallel for that in AOS I think AOS is much more uh specialized.
0: Yeah, it is. Every ar- That's kind of the thing I like about AOS more than 40k, is every army has a very, very specific flavor. Um, where I feel like 40k, that's lacking in some of the forces. Um, so it is harder to have a giant generalist faction there. Because generally every army has strength that they're kind of playing towards. Yeah. Um, but for me, that's uh, waiting it out is actually what I'm doing with my Tyranids right now. Um I am a giant fan of the idea of Tyranids, these giant biological abominations from the stars that have come to devour and assimilate all of the biomass that they could get their claws and teeth on, leaving nothing but dry, dead husks in the wake of their bioships. Like, I, I love everything about that. That... That sounds amazing. Uh, you know, I grew up watching Alien and Aliens, uh, AVP. Even though that movie not great, I love it. Um, Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. I'm doing my part. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I love it, and uh, yeah, of course, like playing the Zerg. Like I love the fantasy of the faction. And so that's why I, I immediately grabbed them when I started playing 40k. But I have found that that book, A, not super powerful, but really, like, I'm fine with that because my Sylvaneth aren't super powerful and I still have fun with them. Um, but for me, they just don't have
1: flavor. It's bland. It's super bland. Like, they haven't gotten a new model since, like, 2014. They haven't, like... Yeah, and even with that, like,
0: all right, so I'm a I'm a great devourer. Like, what what mechanic do I get to show that? Oh, yeah, uh, you get to ignore battle shock. Uh, is that it? Yep, yep. You just ignore battle shock. Oh, okay,
1: cool. Yeah, like, <laughs> very that is neat a... to just ignore an entire phase of the game. But at the same time, it, there's not a lot to play with there. It's just kind of there yeah it's a passive like the mm-hmm. the core mechanic of the faction is
0: a is just a, a very simple passive and i just am not excited by that um and because that is kind of a fundamental problem it's not something i could really kind of like play through um i made the decision to just shelf the nids i i've got a quite a number of tier nids that are just sitting in my closet waiting until a day when a codec comes out that kind of gets me excited about them. Um, and now ninth edition is here. So, uh, that it will happen eventually, I'm sure, but waiting on the that,
1: world to change. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Like, I just, I don't know when that is, but instead of selling the faction and getting rid of them, I, you know, I made the decision to just wait and, Hopefully, when that book comes out, you will hear me
1: screaming from the rooftops how much I love these giant bugs. In my experience, like shelving a faction, waiting a while for a new release, when that new release finally comes, because you still love that faction, you lose your mind. It is ex- it is so much fun. For at least two months, you are riding this high of, my faction gets a new thing, and it's great. It yeah, that's brings so incredible. much life to the hobby. And it's worth waiting for, in my opinion. But
0: oh yeah, for sure. I'd much rather do that than sell them down the river. Because um, looking two at arms all the of river. the other codex, <laughs> like looking at all the other codexes, they are really putting flavor forward in these new books. Like, don't get me wrong; the rules are like mechanically strong and all, and that's great. But like for me, what's exciting is how much they are focusing on narrative flavor. Which I is agree. really my, like, that's my bread and butter. That's what I want. And I i can't wait for them to bring a bunch of narrative flavor to the giant bugs. I don't know what that's going to look like. I've got some ideas. I hope they use some of them.
1: Well, like, um, we were worried about it for a while. Because we thought they're like, oh, it's just going to be Marines that get this flavor. Like, sure, they're doing it with Necrons. But they're basically, re like, redoing the whole Necron line. And then, like, then the Death card stuff came out. And we're like, oh. Oh no, this oh. is not this isn't just a one off. Like this seems to be their whole new design ethos, which is very exciting. Like I think the the game is about to enter we thought eighth edition was like the golden age or like the new renaissance for the game. I think mm-hmm. we're about to get to the even bigger renaissance, the even greater like golden age of this game will be uh like in a year after COVID and people can go back to play. Well, the people who got into the hobby and like when they have a bunch of codexes out that all are full of flavor with all the new content creators for the game, it's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. I can't oh, wait.
0: God, I hope so. I, and if it happens, I will be there like that weird Eno kid in Naruto, just in the back whispering, I like bugs. <laughs> I will have so much fun throwing giant bugs at my friends. Oh, oh god. my god. can't wait. You killed uh, me with that. Did you like that? I was did. That, that, good was, for that you?
1: was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I like
0: bugs. Seth, I apologize for you having to edit that. I hope you have to listen to it a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, um... You know, there's no shame in waiting. And if that's what, what y'all have to, have to do, do that. Um, and we're at but, least waiting with you. Yeah, we're here with you. Don't worry. We're here to keep the fires alive while you wait on the new hype shipment to come in. It's cool. We'll get there. We've been through longer winters. We'll get through this one, too. Um, but I think also this whole discussion has got me more hyped for the inverse of this topic. Um, as many of you probably guessed, there are two sides to this, uh, particular discussion in that right now we're talking about what to do if you're playing a lower tier army, but I feel like there are also unique challenges if you are playing one of those really powerful armies in a casual setting. And John, I dare say it's a good enough
1: topic to bear its own episode. Yeah, I think so. And uh we'll be we getting into that next week. It's it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna <laughs> whereas this one's a lot about like trying to motivate you guys to to deal with the struggles of having a lower tier army. Having a higher tier, very efficient army requires a lot of forethought and creative usage and kind of taking into account who your player is that we'll we'll dig into like next week on, because it is something that both me and Joe have had to do. Um, especially when trying to teach new players the game.
0: Yeah, it could, it has its own unique list of challenges and solutions. So I I can't wait to talk about that for those, the people out there who are in the opposite side of this boat. Don't worry, we're going to get to you. We're getting there. Um, but I think, As we do at the end of every episode, we're just going to mention one more time that we do have the social media, the Instagram, the Twitter, uh, TikTok now also. Right, John? Yeah. That'll TikTok. I'm making funny videos on that there. Zennial TikTok thing. (laughs) We're really bad at it. We don't know quite what we're doing, but we're just having a good time. Um, So if you guys have... Any feedback, as always, any thoughts, any requests, any new topic ideas that you'd like to see reviewed, reach out to us on any of those platforms. We're more than happy to take that feedback and make it an actionable thing um, and try to get anything that you would like worked into the show. Uh, John and I were kind of talking about it before we started recording today, but one of the nice things about being a smaller podcast is that even one person's opinion gets to matter at this point in the show. And I think that is a wonderful place to be for being able to give people what they want to hear, which is ultimately our goal here. So please, if you have anything you want, don't be hesitant to reach out to us. We're more than happy to hear it and chat about it. I mean, that's how we got the the new segment at the beginning of this show. And
1: if you want something else, we can get it added in for you too. No worries. Yeah. And, you know, if you're liking the show, Show your friends, um, follow us on the social medias, come talk to us, poke at us, make us uh, make us talk to you, because we absolutely will. We, uh, we love yeah. this game.
0: God, we do. And it's a, the COVID period, so I'm more of a jabber jaw than normal,
1: which is already a pretty rough level. <laughs> Raving at the mouth for some sort of connection.
0: <laughs> oh, God, humans. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're just uh, all that to say we're here for y'all. Uh, But unfortunately, we're actually not going to be here for a whole lot longer because that's it for this week's episode. So from John and I, that's been All of Our Opinions, Bonafide, Kentucky Fried. We'll see y'all next time.